no less than the famous names of Athens and Sparta. Among Greek cities, the city of Thebes had a history filled with exploits grand and terrible, from the birth of Heracles to the sins of Oedipus. A major player in the chess game of classical Greece, Thebes boasted a pedigree even more ancient than its neighbors, though its glories would end suddenly in the year 335 BC with a shocking act of mass devastation, leaving few traces of the capital that once stood upon its ruins. The tale of how Thebes was first established reaches far back into the days of myth, long before even the storied Trojan War. It reveals the story of a hero, marked by great achievements and great suffering, who bridged the divide between East and West, an immigrant to the land of Greece from the land of Phoenicia. The career of Cadmus, the wandering hero who slew a dragon and founded Thebes, left much to amaze and puzzle the generations that followed and kept his legend alive. Cadmus's age was an age of heroes, traced back by the Greeks who told his tales to the early generations of the world following the rise of the Olympian gods. He was the grandson of Poseidon in Libya on his father's side, and the grandson of Nilus, the great Nile River, on his mother's. His father, a hero in his own right, was Agenor, the king of Tyre in the eastern land of the Phoenicians, and his mother was named Telephassa. Four brothers were born to the king and queen alongside Cadmus, whose names were Phoenix, Silix, and Thassus, and they had a sister whose fate would launch Cadmus into a series of arduous quests, a girl named Europa. Cadmus's story begins when the roving eye of Zeus, the king of the gods, fell desirously upon Europa. One day, while she was cheerfully gathering flowers in a meadow with a band of nymphs, Zeus came down, transformed his shape, and appeared to her as a great white bull. Intrigued by this beautiful beast, she pet its gleaming fur and climbed on its back. But as soon as she did, the god in disguise leapt up and ran away with her holding fast. Zeus and the maiden speeding across the open sea until they finally arrived at the island of Crete. There Europa would stay, where she bore to Zeus three divine children named Minos, Radamanthus, and Sarpedon, and ruled over Crete as its queen. But back in Phoenicia, her family remained mad with worry at the disappearance of their daughter and sister. King Agenor was desperate to find his beloved Europa, and so he dispatched his four sons, instructing them to find her and return with her to their home, or not return at all. After a tireless search for their sister, none of them would find her, and true to their father's command, none of the brothers ever returned home. 
Phoenix, Silix, and Thassus abandoned the hunt and found new cities to rule over. But Cadmus, among all the brothers, refused to give in until the bitter end. He wandered far and wide, traveling with his mother, the Queen Telephassa. We can only imagine how many years were spent in the rigor of their search. But it proved too long for Telephassa, who succumbed to deep grief for her lost Europa. Cadmus buried her dutifully, then set his eyes on the last resort in his quest. He would journey to the hallowed oracle of Delphi, high in the mountains of Greece, for the aid of the god Apollo in his search. And so he went, climbing to the peak of Mount Parnassus, to the holy shrine, and gained an audience with the oracle herself, the Pythian priestess of Apollo. He asked the prophetess where his sister Europa might be found, and only then was he told to abandon the search. Europa was lost to his family, and so she would remain. But then he received another instruction, that Cadmus, like his brothers, was to found a new city to be his own. The instructions given to him by the oracle were thus, to leave Delphi and find a heifer that had never worn a yoke. This heifer, a guiding omen from the gods, would lead him to the chosen place to build his walls, and then lay down. Cadmus departed from the Pythia's shrine, and soon her words came to fruition before his eyes. He found the heifer, one with no marks of having worn a yoke, and mindful of the god's guidance, he obediently followed the heifer as it lumbered over the land of Greece, heading southward. The animal soon led him to the Cephasus River, which runs through the plain of Boeotia. Good land, it would prove, for founding a city. There the heifer stopped and lay down in the green grass. At last, Cadmus's wandering was at an end. Here he would build his home, under the gods' approving eyes. He prepared to offer the cow in sacrifice as a rendering of thanks, a sacrifice to be rendered to the king of the gods, unaware that it was an act of Zeus years before in Europa's meadow that had brought all of his long toils about. But the sacrifice never took place, at least not when intended. A forest stood nearby the spot where a spring bubbled from the ground. Cadmus sent some of his companions who had braved the journey with him to go to the spring to draw purifying water for the sacrifice. But when they approached the spring and placed their pots in the water, with an unearthly bellow, a great dragon rose up from a nearby cave, the guardian of the spring, under command by Ares, god of war. The dragon's eyes flashed, and its body bulged with poison, and it lunged forward, breathing out a foul and poisonous breath. 
Some of Cadmus's men died from its noxious breath, others from its bite, and still others when it wrapped its coils around them and crushed their bones. None of them stood a chance. When they failed to return from the spring, Cadmus went after them, and soon, to his grim astonishment, he encountered the dragon himself. Cadmus lay eyes on its scaly form and triple rows of teeth as the beast licked up the blood of his friends. Anger surged in the hero's heart. Most loyal of hearts, he cried out, I shall avenge your deaths or join you. A great battle ensued. Cadmus began by throwing a boulder at the dragon. The creature shook off the attack and lunged upon the hero. Cadmus then stabbed it in the back with a spear, a grievous blow that enraged the shrieking dragon. It began to bite at the spear, but only succeeded in snapping off the shaft, leaving the head of the spear lodged painfully in its body. It began to thrash back and forth, so immense that it flattened entire trees as it writhed, and forced Cadmus to retreat several steps. Nevertheless, he stayed strong and kept his guard raised. In its anger, the dragon leapt forward and attempted to grind Cadmus in its razor-sharp teeth. Its venom was powerful and would have laid the hero to rest, but Cadmus's armor protected him from its poison. With the dragon pressing him in close quarters, he leaned in with a cry and stabbed the dragon in the mouth with his sword. The dragon reeled back in pain, and blood splattered across the ground. Cadmus realized that he had found a weakness, and pressed the attack. Any time it lunged, he drove his sword further into the dragon's mouth. The creature continued to draw back, until it ran against an unmoving oak, and could escape no further. Cadmus gave one more mighty lunge, and drove his sword into its neck one final time. With a screech, the dragon's last flickers of anger went dim, and it collapsed dead against the tree. Cadmus stood over the dragon for some time, staring at its corpse until from seemingly out of thin air, a new sound came to his ears. A mysterious voice began speaking to him. Why do you gaze upon the serpent you've slain, son of Agenor? The voice asked riddlingly. One day they will gaze upon you the same way. Cadmus couldn't tell where the voice was coming from, and stood terrified, drained of all color, his hair standing on end. He was shaken out of his terror and the question of this dark prophecy, when there appeared from the sky the radiant form of Athena, a goddess to whom the land of Greece was dear. Cadmus listened to Athena's command as she continued to speak enigmatically. She instructed him to cut the teeth from the dragon that lay dead, to plow the earth, and to sow the teeth in the earth, 
as one might sow seeds for a harvest. And so, the Phoenician hero made a plow, made a deep furrow in the land with his great strength, and planted the teeth he plucked from the dragon's jaws. As soon as he finished, another marvel met his eyes, one equal parts, astonishing and fearsome. From the soil there rose up a great army of warriors, sown men grown from the dragon's teeth. First, spears poked up out of the soil, followed by helmets, followed by heads, chests, and finally, their feet rested upon the tilled ground. One soldier, for each of the dragon's countless teeth, faced down the hero Cadmus, who drew his sword in cold dread. Stay back, one of the sown men cried to him. You have no part in our war. While Cadmus was left wondering what war the soldier meant, the same man turned and stabbed the nearest warrior through the heart. The moment he had done this, a spear flew from a distant part of the assembly and struck him dead where he stood. In an instant, battle raged across the furrowed field, a storm of weapons and blows and cries from the sown men at war. As Cadmus looked on, the newly grown soldiers slew one another in a matter of moments, until only five were left alive. It was then that the goddess Athena again intervened. She drew their attention and put a stop to their slaughter, commanding them with the voice of divine authority to work together instead. And so the battle finished, these five survivors made peace among themselves and became Cadmus's new companions, who joined his mission to found a new city in the plain of Boeotia. The Soan men would help build the new city, a city that would be known as Thebes, destined to be among the mightiest in Greece, famed for its seven gates and the lofty citadel that bore its founder's name, the Cadmea. And their descendants became the noble families of Thebes, who continued to watch over the city long after its first builders had passed away. While the founding of Thebes and the heroic deeds that enabled it are undoubtedly the most famous events of Cadmus's life, another of his contributions to the world left an indelible legacy, the introduction of the alphabet into the Greek language. In the land of his birth, the Phoenicians, under the new leadership of his brother Phoenix, developed this system of writing based on sounds tied to symbols. And it was Cadmus, according to tradition, who brought this alphabet into Greece, where it was adapted to the Greek tongue, and from there its use as a system of language spread very far indeed. Following the birth of Thebes, Cadmus had a long and adventurous life, though one filled with challenges. Ares, the god of war, had fathered the dragon that Cadmus slew that fateful day, and resented 
the murder of his offspring, regardless of the cause. He punished the hero by enslaving Cadmus in his service for a period of eight long years. But when these years had ended, the god of war forgave Cadmus and gave him his daughter's hand in marriage, Harmonia, the daughter of Ares and Aphrodite. The wedding was a joyous occasion, attended by all the pantheon of gods and goddesses together, and the first that saw the immortals bring gifts to earth to bless the marriage of a mortal man and a divine woman. Cadmus and Harmonia had many children, but tales are told about the suffering their family endured, pursued relentlessly by hardships, haunted by the loss of sons, daughters, and grandchildren. Semele, Pentheus, Aino, and Actaeon the hunter. As they grew old, husband and wife left Thebes to wander once more across the land. Amid the trials of his later life, Cadmus was still loomed over by the memory of the sacred dragon he had slain, and began to question if its curse was tormenting him still. Some say that he envied the serpent, imagining its life to be free of the challenges he knew. Some say he invited whatever god kept punishing him to finish their work and make him a serpent as revenge for the one he slew. Whatever the cause, Cadmus was one day transformed into a serpent, his body growing smooth, then scaly, his tongue forking, his limbs fusing together as one. Harmonia, his wife, watching agape the startling transformation take place, prayed to join her husband in this new form, and so she did. Two snakes slithered side by side into the forest, where they lived out their lives in quiet isolation, far from the company of humans. And so at last, after all his triumphs and sorrows, the hero Cadmus found his rest. <laughs>